I want to ask Neil to come up. He's going to preach tonight. We're very excited. He launched the, the topic. I'm going to give that to him this morning. So he's going to launch the damn topic again tonight. I'm going to leave that to him as well, but I just want to pray for him before he preaches. Father, thank you for Neil. Thank you for this amazing man of God you've placed in our lives. I pray, Lord, as he brings your word tonight and, and launches the term theme, that you will anoint his lips and, and let everybody's heart open up to hear what you've got for us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gideon. See how long we live here can last me. <laughs> it's good to be with you. It's always wonderful to, I know it's not only young adults yet, but it's wonderful to hear young adults worship. There's just, I don't know, it's like you guys are a little bit more desperate, I think. <laughs> or you just want to impress that girl or guy you've got your eye on about how well you can worship. So, so our theme for this term uh, that I'm going to launch is called uh, Faith for Tough Times. Faith for Tough Times, and that's also the title of the message for tonight. Have you ever faced a test of faith, something where maybe you had to trust God to come through in your life? Anybody faced a test of faith? Okay, more than five of us. It's good. I remember one of my earlier tests of faith. If I look back on it now, it seems um, quite easy because that's one of the interesting things that God does when he gives us a test of faith and we kind of pass it, then the next one's higher grade. And then when you pass that one, you look back and you go, well, that was so easy. Um, but when you're in a test of faith, it doesn't always feel that way. And I remember one of the earlier ones that I had is just, I just finished studying. And I really felt that God had spoken to me that I would keep on working at the church. I studied here at the church. And I felt that God had told me I'd keep on working at the church. And I was in the training center. And uh, they'd actually come and said, you know, we were at that stage, this is uh, long ago and far away, okay? Um, early 90s. And... Uh, the, we were busy developing like a, a, into a private university concept at that time. We felt God had said some stuff to us there. And uh, in that development, there was quite a lot of space. So you know, I was quite positive. I felt God had spoken to me. But, you know, there were opportunities. So it didn't feel like it would be a test at all. But towards the end of the year, they, they came to us and they said to a few of us, you know, we'd like you to stay. And so I thought, yes, I can hear from God. And... Uh, a couple months later, they actually came back and said, look, actually, this thing hasn't worked out. We, we're closing down this project. We're going to keep doing the core stuff of what we're doing, you know, uh, training people for ministry and, and the Year of Life program. Any fans? Okay. So, yeah, you know, when the Year of Life guys want an outreach and you, want, you just mention their name, they can't help themselves. Um, I have to say something. It's probably like the Raquel anointing that comes through because Kieran's so quiet. Um, and so suddenly from believing that, you know, what God had told me was going to happen, there was nothing. And so I remember that that time Dr. Graham Caddo said, look, you know, we're closing this down now, but we need a couple of weeks to assess and I'll call you in the middle of December. It was, a, that was kind of the time frame. Uh, if we need you, that's like really wonderful, um, <laughs> to, uh, and so I went home and I, uh, chatted with my folks and I said, look, I'm, for me, it's clear. I need to be. At Hatfield, that's what God has said to me. And so I started making quite a lot of plans. I figured out, you know, if I can like, stay here in one of the student houses, and then, you know, I'll go and work at Mend and I'll be a waiter. Now, if you know me at all, hey, um, waitering. But that's how desperate I was to be where God told me to be. Um, I don't think I would have probably earned a single tip. Okay. But um, 
that was kind of how I was thinking. I was planning. I was trying to make things work. Um, but fortunately then, uh, Dr. Graham did call, and uh, it was God, and I got a space to, to lead a house at the time. And uh, God hasn't managed to get me to leave since then, mainly because he hasn't told me to. So that was one of my first tests of faith. And it only was a period of a couple of weeks, but it felt very real, felt very big at the time. And perhaps you're also facing a test of faith. Maybe it's about your future and what God has spoken to you about your future. And maybe you just have a general promise. You know, that, you know those general promises? We sang about all the promises, but generally they're um, general. Um, but you know that plans that, you know, God's uh, plans for you. What's it? I forget, Jeremiah. Good plans for you. He wants to prosper you, and he has a hope and a future for you. And so maybe you know that that's God's plan for your future, but you don't have something specific. And maybe that's your test of faith. Maybe your test of faith is just to believe that God has a plan for you. wonder what test of faith, maybe it's whatever area of your life. I wonder what challenges, faith challenges you're facing. And as you're in that process, that can become a tough time for you because you're wrestling. Perhaps you're experiencing tough times at work. Tough times, I think, generally in the country are going to become a more common phrase or a common term. And maybe you're just in a place of hope and not in a place of faith. Now, the book of Hebrews says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I was thinking about this, and I haven't studied it out at all, so it's just my personal opinion. But I wondered what gives substance to faith? What makes faith different from hope? And I'm proposing tonight that what gives faith substance is when we have a word from God, when God has spoken. And so for our purposes, we're going to define faith this way. And if you're making notes, this is a good, good one to make notes. Faith is believing that God will do what He said He would do. Faith is believing that God would do what He said He would do. Now, what we're going to do tonight is, just as we're going into the series, we want to root this concept of faith in the Scriptures. And then we're going to look at applying some of that towards the end of the message and seeing how we can come to a place of faith as well. But we're going to spend some time in the book of Habakkuk. Do you all know where Habakkuk is? Do you all know how to spell Habakkuk? Okay, I keep spelling it with two Bs and it's always wrong. Okay, it's got one B. So if you want to find Habakkuk, if you've got an electronic device, just, um, that's easy. Open the, uh, the list of books and you can get there. If you have a real Bible... Um, What's it, a, a, a printout of the app? Then um, you, if you can find Matthew and you can go left, okay, if you find Matthew and you go left four books, uh, you'll find Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, and Zephaniah, and then you'll get to, to Habakkuk. If you start in the front of your Bible, just keep paging, you'll be there by the end of the message. Habakkuk's a significant book, and why do we want to look at Habakkuk? It's because Habakkuk provides the foundation for what becomes a New Testament understanding of faith. One of the most famous scriptures in the New Testament on faith is Romans 1.17, which says the just shall live by faith. And that's when we talk about how do we come into right relationship with God, how do we uh, get saved, if you want to use that language. The New Testament teaches us through the Apostle Paul that the just, those who are in right relationship with God, they will do it by faith. You get into right relationship with God by faith. But Paul's understanding of that is based in the book of Habakkuk. So I thought we'd go back to Habakkuk tonight to look at that specifically. Now Habakkuk is interesting. It's only three chapters and we're going to 
not read every single word, but we can look at the three chapters tonight. But if you want to think about Habakkuk, think of it this way. Habakkuk asks God a question, and God answers him, because God always answers. Okay? And it's a difficult answer for Habakkuk, so he asks God another question. And again, God answers him. And then he sings a song. He writes a song. So Habakkuk's quite easy. Question, answer, question, answer, song. Okay. And so we're going to look at the questions and answers and then talk a little bit about the song. Now, on the screen, uh, I've chosen to use the New American Standard Version tonight. Just it's a little bit more literal, which makes it a little bit harder to, to maybe read in the flowing. I generally prefer if it's a bit easier. Um, but this translation just grabs some of the important parts really well. And so we're going to jump right in and we're going to look at Habakkuk's first question to God. All right? Are you ready? What's God say about faith? Into the Bible we go. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 is kind of summarize, well, summarizes Habakkuk's first question for us. It starts and Habakkuk writes and he says, How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence and yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look upon wickedness and there's destruction and violence before me? Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law, and yet specifically refers to the law of Moses, is ignored and justice is never upheld for the wicked surround the righteous and therefore justice comes out perverted. Habakkuk looks at his world. He looks at the societies living in Israel at the time. This is just before 600 BC. He looks at the nation. They've had some really good times where they've had good kings that have turned them towards God and the nations obeyed God, but it's not like that in Habakkuk's time. And he looks at the nation and he goes, this is wrong. This is not working. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is tough times because things are not as they should be. And he asks God a very real question. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a thing, so I'm going to um, have to clear my throat a little bit. You don't want to know about it. Okay. But I wonder if you've ever asked God, how long? How long, God, before you come through for me? How long, God, before you answer my prayers. And when you're in tough times, it's quite easy to get to that space. When you're under pressure or when you've got to make big decisions, how long, oh God, will you, you help me? And Habakkuk shows us that it's okay to ask that question. God, when are you going to do something? Now, let me just say quickly, Habakkuk's dealing with national issues, okay? Like what's going on in his country at the time. We're just going to look at it through the lenses, the glasses of personal faith. Is that all right? So I'm not delivering a political commentary tonight on the state of the nation or something like that. Is that all right? Personal faith. Obviously, if you work for the president, I'll, there's some tips here. Okay. <clears throat> so God, what are you going to do? And God answers Habakkuk as it's recorded for us quite quickly. Verse 5 and 6 are the summary, or it starts uh, particularly introducing God's summary. Verse 5, if you've been around a while, might be well known to you. But God says to Habakkuk, look among the nations, because he's dealing with national stuff. Observe, be astonished, because I am going to do something, Habakkuk, in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. You would not believe. And often, sometimes we quote the scripture, particularly the charismaniacs, they'll go, God's going to do something in your life, Gideon, that you wouldn't believe if he was told. Okay? And then, like in the next verse, God announces judgment. Sorry, Olivia. Okay. And so sometimes we must be careful to take these promises of God out of context. And so God 
basically says to Habakkuk, sorry, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to do something you never expected that I would do. Now you're going to see it's not good. <laughs> okay. Verse 6. For behold, I'm raising up in the New, New American Standard, it says the Chaldeans, but it, it, it's the Babylonians. It's more the, lang- the, the, the people group that's the name that we used to calling them, the Babylonians. And then there's a little snapshot. They're fierce and they're impetuous. They march to the earth and they seize dwellings and places that are not theirs. And so I think Habakkuk was kind of saying to God, things aren't right. Maybe he was going, because, you know, within the last hundred years, 50 years in the nation, there'd been some revivals. There'd been some massive turnings to God where they've had good kings who saved them from evil and from judgment. And I'm wondering, I'm speculating, but I'm wondering if Habakkuk wasn't kind of praying, going, God, how long before you send revival? Or how long before you send us a just king and a good king? And I wonder if he's not expecting that kind of answer. And that's why God has to say to him, I'm going to do something that you never would expect. In fact, by sending the Babylonians, what God is really saying is, I'm going to judge the nation. I'm exercising judgment on the nation at this time. Judgment is coming. Habakkuk goes on, and we're going to drop down to verse 12. The the interim verse is basically God just describes how powerful and how difficult and how um, vicious, basically, the Babylonians are. And so Habakkuk, Habakkuk finds this difficult. He finds it a challenge. And so he prays again, and he says, God, verse 12, chapter 1, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God? We will not die. So he's got some hope there that even though judgment is coming, we will not die. You, Lord, have appointed them. You know, them. Okay? The Babylonians to judge. And you, O rock, you've established them to correct us. It's not what he expects, but he sees that this is God's plan. Because sometimes God's plans we don't understand. Sometimes God's ways are not our ways. and doesn't work out like we think. But Habakkuk's got some understanding of God. He knows the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Habakkuk goes on in verse 13. He says, Your eyes are too pure to... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look on favor with those, the Babylonians, who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? In other words, God, I know we're bad. I mean, I've just prayed and said, How long, God, before you sort this mess out? But now you're sending them, and they are worse than... Us. How can you do this? Why would you judge us with them? Now, I'm going to go quite quickly just through two steps, but they're very important. Habakkuk's basically realized that his nation is going to be destroyed. This is a tough answer, that God's going to, part of his judgment on them for turning away from him is that there'll be something like a genocide that happens. That's like an awesomely difficult answer. I don't know what you would do if God said something like that to you? How would you respond? In chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk positions himself. We read, I'm going to go just quickly through this, but what we see in Habakkuk as he's wrestling with his faith here and he's wrestling with the tough times that are coming, he waits for God. He, wait for, he waits for God's answer. 2 verse 1 says, I will stand and I'll position myself and I'll wait for you to speak to me. And then maybe you'll correct me because, you know, I don't know, God, if it was okay to speak back to you. And you'll see God doesn't actually correct him. God answers him gently. God meets us in our place where we are. So Habakkuk waits for God's answer. 
And then God answers in verse 2 and 3. God sets the stage for his answer. The text reads, it says, Lord, then the Lord answered me. He said, record the vision, inscribe it on the tablets that the one who read it may run. In other words, make sure that those around you get to hear what I'm saying. Make sure it's a permanent record, maybe so that even the next generation can know about it. Verse 3 says, for the vision, the thing I'm telling you is set for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Basically, God's saying, if I've said it, it's going to happen. It's the certainty of that what God has said. And so God set the scene that what I've said is going to happen. And then here comes God's answer in the famous verse that, that Paul quotes in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Part of God's answer to Habakkuk is this. It says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not upright within him, but the righteous will live by faith. And Paul picks up on the second half of that verse, and he quotes it. Now, that one-liner doesn't help me understand the answer much. And so what I've done is I've just uh, I looked at some scholars to try and help me unpack it properly. And so if you guys can bring up that slide that says a more literal breakdown of Habakkuk, great, thank you. And so what we see is God is contrasting the righteous, the righteous, the people of God, the people who've come to a place of humility where they want to know what God says about their situation. They want to know what God's going to do with the proud. And so he says, for the proud, their soul, his soul is not upright in him. The proud person cannot stand correctly before God. Their soul is positioned wrong. Now, if you drop down and you read from verse 2 to in chapter 2 from verse 5 to verse 19, basically the rest of chapter 2 in Habakkuk, you see how God deals with the proud. In this case, it's the Babylonians. How God judges them. Basically, whatever they've done, God does back to them. It's called the reciprocal judgment of God. And often we read in Scripture when God deals with nations that have behaved badly, He does back to them what they've done to others. And so God will judge the Babylonians heavily for what they have done. So part of God's answer to Habakkuk is, they will exercise judgment on you, but I will take care of them. Because they're standing ultimately, because they're proud, in opposition to me. And so God will always deal with that which opposes what he has said. Because what he has said will come to pass. So God will deal with that which opposes him. Whether that's in our hearts, because sometimes there's things in our hearts that oppose God, and he will deal with that. Often gently, but if he needs to, he has a scalpel, and he just and he cuts it out of your heart if he needs to. So God will deal with the proud, and that's comfort for Habakkuk. Though, in find, and he finds us that although God, will, God is difficult, God, but justice will be done. And Habakkuk finds some comfort in that. But if we go back to that breakdown of Habakkuk 2.4, there's a contrast, but the righteous, those who have faith, those who believe in God, their faith, the text says, by his faith or her faith, he or she shall live. If you can come to this place where you believe that God would do what he said he would do, like Habakkuk comes to this place, that he believes that God will answer his prayer and bring justice to his nation. The justice comes through judgment, but that some will live. It's your faith. By your faith, God tells Habakkuk, you will live. You won't necessarily be delivered from the judgment that comes through the Babylonians, but you will make it through. So when we believe that God will do what he said he will do, 
we can make it through the tough times that come in our lives. God said to Habakkuk, I will deal with the injustice. I will deal with the Babylonians. But what must you do? You must use your faith. Hold on to what I have said to you. So biblical faith is always responding to what God initiates. Sometimes God initiates through what we would call sometimes in, in some circles, we call it a rhema word. Where God, like I had a specific word about he was telling me he had a plan for me here at Hatfield. Sometimes we don't have those specific words and we have to work with the principles of Scripture and what God says to us. And we uh, respond in faith to the written word of God as well. But God will always have his kingdom on mind, in mind. And so sometimes the danger that happens is that we appropriate promises from God for ourselves that aren't actually for us. You understand? And then we move in what's called presumption and not faith. And we start demanding that God does what we want instead of what he wants. And often when it's what we want, we don't have his kingdom in mind. We have our comfort or peace in mind. And so it's very important in this area that you understand that it's what God is saying to you. It's so important to hear from God for yourself. If you believe that God will do what he said he would do, you will be able to stand in tough times. And you will go through it and you would live and so there's this contrast in God's answer between the proud and the righteous who are humble enough to yield to what God is saying. Chapter 2 ends after this massive picture of how God will judge the Babylonians, this reciprocal judgment I spoke about earlier. It ends in chapter 2 verse 20. And it says there that the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the, all the earth be silent before him. And that's just this amazing contrast that no matter what happens in your life, no matter how tough the times are, how God is judging the Babylonians and what's, however the nations would rage is one of the great scriptural pictures for this. God is still on the throne. God is in his temple and he knows exactly what's going on. And so we get to chapter 3 where we have a song of submission that Habakkuk writes. I think he writes this song. Why a song? If you think of everything he's heard, you think of the, how this must cut his heart and how difficult it must have been to hear, Habakkuk comes to this place where he decides the best thing he can do is write a song. Now, he was a prophet. I don't know. It seems maybe from the last verse because he says, you know, you must play this on my stringed instrument. Maybe he had some musical skill. Okay. But he writes a song. Why a song? It's because songs can be carried in our hearts. And in tough times, we need to know what God is saying, but we need songs in our Hearts. Tough times, worship in terms of music ministry is important. Songs remind us, and in Habakkuk's case, the future generations about the revelation of God. Now, when Habakkuk heard this, it probably took about 20 years for God to judge the nation of Israel. The Babylonians came through and started exercising God's judgment in phases. And then they went into exile, actually, for another 70 years before God judged the Babylonians. And so it was very important that they had a song in their hearts that could carry them while God was going through his processes. As you see, sometimes God is slower than we think, but he is certain because God will always do what he said he would do. And so Habakkuk writes this song. I don't have time enough now, so I'm not going to illustrate it. Sorry for those who are expecting something. But if you look at chapter 3, verse 1, there's a musical term that says this song is a shigir, shigir, what? Luke? shigir noth. Luke and them teach me how to pronounce these things. A shigir noth. 
we'll just call it a shiggy, okay? <laughs> but this is not a, a laid-back song. This is more like what Luke was doing in the praise time in the guitar. This is when you're like, okay, now I'm going to stop right there. Okay, this is wild. It's an exuberant song. It's, it's much more praise than worship. This is not a sad song. If I'd heard what Habakkuk had heard, I would have probably written a sad song. But Habakkuk writes, bluntly put, a happy, exciting, vibrant, wild, passionate, exuberant song. It's so interesting that he goes to this place because that's what Habakkuk came to. He realized it doesn't matter what happens around me. It's about what God is. It's about not what God is, who God is. It's about what God has said and what God will do. And that in tough times is to remember it's about God and not things around us. And so chapter 3, verse 2, if we jump right in there, Habakkuk starts. It sets the scene for the song. He says, Lord, I've heard the report about you. And I fear. He remembers the past. He's heard what God has done in the past. And it's very important to remember what God has done in the past in your life. And perhaps you, sorry, this is telling me I should stop soon, so I will. Perhaps you haven't walked with God that long and you don't know, like a faith history. Well, listen to those around you. That's why it's so important that we live in community. Read the scriptures and see the faith journeys of people there. That will help you to understand that God will always do what he has said. He's a, we sang so often, a couple of songs tonight, faithful God, and his faithfulness will stand. I've heard the report about you, and I fear because you always do what you say, and you've told me you're going to do this. Lord, revive your work in the midst of our years. Now, that's probably where I don't like the NASB, but basically some of the easier reading translations would say, revive your work in our day, in our time, while we're in between these judgments, while we're in the hard times, the tough times. In our day, God, come and work. Make it known to us. Help us understand what you're doing. And then in the song, there's a plea. In wrath, remember mercy. And then basically, all the way through from here in the chapter, we don't have time to look at it, unfortunately. But all the way down to verse 17, there's this song that Habakkuk sings, these pictures that he paints, that God is coming in glory. And if you're standing in faith, always remember that God is coming. God will come in His glory to fulfill His word in your life. And so we want to look at the last uh, 70, verse 17, 18, and 19 as we conclude the message. Habakkuk writes, and you might know these verses, they're kind of well known. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, and though the yield of the olive should fail, and though the fields produce no food, and the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Though I see nothing in the natural that gives me a sign that God's going to do what he said he would do. I'm going to keep my focus on God. Now Habakkuk particularly goes and he says, I understand the crops are going to fail when the Babylonians come. We're going to lose our luxuries. We're going to lose our necessities. But I'm going to focus on God. And in tough times when things change, it's critical that we, our faith keeps us to a space where we can keep our trust on God. See, this is a faith that deals with reality. This is not a faith that escapes reality. This is a faith that goes, I see the tough times. God doesn't want us to ignore. Faith is not escapist. Faith deals with reality. But God is bigger than our reality. And so how can we come to a place of faith in tough times? I'm going to give you four quick 
points that might help you come to this place of faith in tough times. Firstly, as Habakkuk did, cry out to God with a humble heart. When you're in a place where you need to know, cry out to God with a humble heart. Believe that He will answer. Don't become proud and think you're in charge and you know what to do. Don't run in the strength of your own good ideas. Cry out to God. God, answer me. Tell me what your will and purpose is. Secondly, wait humbly for His answer. Wait humbly for His answer. Because He will speak to you. Now sometimes we have deadlines where we need to know things and God doesn't speak to us maybe as we would want or that clearly in that time. But, you know, God knows the deadlines. And so if He hasn't spoken a specific word to you, all that means then is that you act on the principles of what's clear in Scripture. You're going perhaps... Um, I used this example this morning, but it may not be quite fit for everybody, but it will help illustrate the point. You're going to a meeting where you know that maybe they're going to be discussing something about accepting a bribe so that your business can get the, the contract it needs. And you're saying, God, give me the word, give me the word. And you don't get something specific about what God wants to do. Then you go with what's clear in Scripture. What's clear in Scripture is don't steal, don't take bribes. And so sometimes God wants us to put our faith in His Word, the written Word. But sometimes God will also speak specific words to us about what to do and what steps to take. I would then advise a third step is that you confirm what God is really saying. Now, I'm not asking you to confirm, you know, God, do I buy a Coke or a Sprite? And then phone your pastor, Gideon. I think God's saying to me, buy a Sprite. I'm in the shop now. Can you just, what's God saying? Okay, and that, that's not what we're talking about here. This is kind of when you're hitting major decisions, important stuff. Things that will affect maybe the future, your direction, the bigger things in life, like who you marry, minor details. Okay? Let's <laughs> marry the first one that says yes. Um, it's wise to go then to brothers and sisters. It doesn't have to be a pastor, but someone you know that can hear from God. Someone you know who won't just say what you want to hear. That's very important. So sometimes I think it's sometimes better not to go to our friends because our friends like us and they want to help us. And sometimes, unless they're like really good friends, they'll tell us what we want to. Yeah. So go to someone you trust and ask them, does this sound like God? Don't go to them and say, uh, Olivia, what's God saying to me? I need to know, job or not. That's not fair. Go with what you think God is saying and see if you can get it confirmed. Because once it's confirmed, that adds to your faith, because then you know that God has said it, and that He will do what He said He would do. And when you know what God has said, stand in joyous faith. Then you stand and you wait for God to do what He has said. So I'm going to close now, um, front, so I'm not going to use that last slide. Just to say this, that God has made you for this. God has made you for the tough times. He's equipped you to stand in faith. That's why you're here. And he knew you would be here at this time. And so when your test of faith comes, no matter what it is, God has made you for it. And therefore, he'll help you get through it. One of the things that happens is when we're in tough times, one of our first questions, maybe it's not how long God, like Habakkuk's was, but God, where are you? Because when times get tough and we're in difficult places, we often feel that God is disappeared, gone on holiday. 
The scriptures are clear in this, that God is in our midst. Emmanuel, God is with us, right in our midst when we're in times of trial and stuff. So faith is remembering that God will do, trusting, that God will do what he said he would do. And so tonight we want to make some time at the end of the service where if you're standing in a test of faith or you really need to know what God is saying, we'd like to make a time to pray with you and for you so that you can come to a place of faith. So I'm first going to just do that in general and ask if there's anyone at all that would like prayer so they can come to a place of faith or that you've been standing in faith for a while and your knees are growing weak. Because you just don't know when God's going to come through for you. So that's two groups of people, but I'm going to pray one prayer for you. If that's you, would you be bold enough to stand right now? And then we're going to pray. And I want us to pray as a community. So if you're not standing, you can pray as ever you, however you feel led for the people that are standing. So there's quite a few people standing. You know what's exciting about this? Sorry, there's people standing, so I'm going to step up. Imagine what God could do in this community, in our church, if every promise he's made here was fulfilled. Imagine what God could do in your world, in our world, in our communities, in our churches, in our families, in our relationships, in our friendships, if everything came through. So this is super exciting. Let's pray. Father, you know each one here. You know the test of faith that they're facing, or you know what the Word of God is that they need so that they know how and where and how strongly to stand in faith. And Father, in these times, I believe with all my heart you are with us. You are right here in our midst that you have not forgotten us. For those of you who have been standing long in faith, and your prayer is, how long, God? God says tonight, he has not forgotten. He has heard every prayer that you have prayed. And he will do what he said he would do. Father, for those who need to hear your voice or discern your will, I pray tonight for revelation or a clarification of which principles of Scripture or promises they need to stand on at this time. So, Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that if times get tough for us, and as we enter seasons where there's tough times in our nation, in our family, and there's pressure on us from different spaces and places, whatever the reason for the pressure is, thank you, Lord, that you've equipped us to stand in faith. And so, Lord, we also look with expectation to the fulfillment of the promises and the words that you have spoken. And Lord, I pray for each one that they have the strength to stand until you do what you've said you would do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I have a sense that perhaps for some of you it might mean letting go of what you've wanted so that you can embrace what God wants. To move from a place of presumption to a place of faith. That you set the kingdom first and not your comfort. Um, 
that's a bit general, but if, it, if that's for you, just take the courage. God will help you to do that. You know, if there's specific prayer, there'll be leaders here in front. Is that correct? If you need specific prayer, specific breakthrough, leaders will be here in front, and we'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, please join us at Connect for a cup of coffee. It's out that door if you've never been there before. Thank you. Bless you as you go. Faith will win. Good. Amen.